This morning, I want to talk about revival. And a lot of times when we talk of revival, we think of the church. We think of the great revivals from the past. Uh, but this morning, I pray that God would help each one of us search our own hearts and put a circle around myself and ask the question, do I need reviving? Uh, am I hot for Jesus Christ? Am I in love with Jesus Christ? Because if we're not careful, uh, we can drift. Uh, we can move. Uh, by the way, uh, he never moved. He wants intimacy uh, with his people. And, uh, and if we're not careful, man, we can drift. In fact, uh, the Bible talks over there in Ephesians, in, in the book of, of Revelation, about the church at Ephesus who left their first love. Uh, in fact, Jesus Christ was simply saying, hey, look, man, when he was writing them a letter, he writes a letter, and he says, oh, you know, doctrinally, you're great, man. You believe the right things, and you're even serving and doing all of the right things. But this one thing I do have against you, you've left your first love. And it happens. It happens to us spiritually. It happens to us in our family lives. Oftentimes what happens in marriage, you'll find two people who start out and they are so in love and so loving on one another. And then before you know it, man, they just start drifting apart. And it's life. Nobody sets out in marriage and says, man, I, I really can't wait for the day that our love grows cold. I can't wait for the day that I'm really not even looking forward to coming home and hanging out with my spouse. And yet, it happens. It happens in marriages. It happens in churches. Do you remember what it was like when you first got saved? You remember that? I don't know. I don't know how it was for you. Uh, I grew up in the church, and I knew the gospel from the time I could speak. I mean, I, I, I was taught Jesus Christ. I was taught what he did for me. I knew the gospel in my head. But I'm telling you, when I was 14 years old, I got saved. I was at, I was at a youth camp, and the Holy Spirit of God took the same gospel that I knew right here, and the, and, and the, and the Holy Spirit knocked on my heart. And, uh, and he drew me, and I got saved. And, uh, and I can remember uh, uh, just having a hunger for the Word of God having a desire to get with the people. Couldn't wait, couldn't wait to get to church. Wanted, wanted to be with the people. Uh, wanted to sing, man. Wanted to sing praises. Uh, busy sharing with people that I come into contact with. And oh, so sensitive to sin in my life. I mean, I mean, quick to repent. And if you're not careful... You're no longer quick to repent, but desensitized. Why? Because we have a more full understanding. We're, we're no longer excited about gathering together because I, I'm supposed to go there. That's just what I'm supposed to do these days. And if we're not careful, we, we're doing the right things. But our hearts are far removed. And this morning, it's my prayer that if you have departed from your first love, and I'm not talking about losing my salvation, I'm just simply talking about my first love. I'm talking about intimacy with God Almighty that he desires from you and with you. And if you're not there, that this would be the day that you repent and call on the name of Jesus Christ. You know, when you think about your life spiritually, just questions, just questions. 
When's the last time you would say, man, I, I, God really spoke to my heart? God really spoke to my heart. When's the last time you sensed his stirring in, in your soul? Maybe a song that's sung, a sermon that's preached, a truth that comes from God's word, brings a tear to your eye, moves your heart. Where are we spiritually? My prayer is that if you are here today and you're not hot and near to the heart of God, that this would be the day that you get near him, that he would revive you. And when you're talking revival, by the way, revival means that it was already vived in the beginning. In other words, there was already life. <laughs> there was, there, you, you, you're born again. I'm talking to that. But maybe today might be the day that it's, 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 it's just about getting vived. It's about getting saved. It's about having life, experiencing life. That's what Jesus said. I have come so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. It's not about having religion. It's not about religious activity. It's about life with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And if you don't have that, that maybe today would be the day that you say, man, I, that's what I want and that's what I need. James has written to the church. So we've been walking through the book of James and James is writing to the brethren in the church. He wrote this letter uh, uh, because he's addressing so many struggles that we have along the way, that people have all, along the way. Always have, always will have. But in James, in chapter number 4, he continues writing, and he says in verse number 7 and following, and let me back up here for just a minute, because he's closing out verses 5 and 6 by just saying, hey, listen, we are prone to wander. We're prone to wander in verse number 5. He says, there's this spirit within us that's prone to wander, but God's grace is greater. Therefore, therefore, he says in verse number 7, submit therefore to God. And resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable, and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil. Uh, do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against the... A brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. And there's only one lawgiver and a judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you who judge your neighbor? And so he's writing, and when you look at Scripture, you know the greatest commandment in all of the Bible? <clears throat> Jesus was asked the question. Remember, he was asked the question, What's, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment in all of the Bible? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second of these is to love your neighbor as yourself. To love. And so this morning, James is just saying, hey, it's my desire that you would be revived or that you would get vibed one way or the other. And how do you do that? Well, there's two things you got to do. You got to, number one, get right with God. And then number two, uh, you got to get right with others along the way. And so he, he starts with this, you got to get right with God. And so the question's got to be asked, well, how do, you, how do you get right with God? And, and, and by the way, the answer is not sequential. In other words, step on first base, step on second base, step on third base. He's just saying, here's things you got to do. Here's things that's got to happen for you to be revived. Number one, he says, if you want to get right with God, number one, make sure there's submission in your life. Verse number seven, submit therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will 
flee from you. And so the issue is submission. In other words, it's a military term that just simply means proper rank. In other words, uh, I, I am surrendered. I am not the colonel. I'm just the private. That's all I am. And, and so when you think of military terms, when you think in military terms, uh, uh, how would the military go if all of the privates running around were telling the colonels what they want to do and what they don't want to do? I'd be a pretty sorry military unit because it doesn't work that way. And that's not how we were designed. And yet, how many times do we assume a seat on the throne of our own heart? And in so doing, what we do is we create a God of our own making. And what that means, it looks like this. Here's what it looks like. When we create a God of our own making, we begin to tell him what we like and what we don't like. And, and, and he becomes kind of like a smorgasbord. You know, it's kind of like one of those deals like Thanksgiving dinner. You know, it's, it's right on the heels of yesterday, for goodness sakes. Yesterday was, well, I had Thanksgiving for three or four days. But uh, like a smorgasbord. I'll take a little bit of that because I like that, but I don't want that because I don't like that. And, and that's our approach to God sometimes. Man, I'll take his blessings because I want the blessings. Man, I'll take his love of me because I want his love for me. Man, and I long for his tender mercies every day because I desperately need his tender mercies. I will take all of that that I can get. Love your enemies? Mm. <laughs> Give? Ah. And we, we create this God, and we expect him to be near to our hearts when he's not. Why? Because we're no longer calling on the living God. You know, you may be here this morning and say, man, I haven't heard from God in a long time. Well, neither did the prophets of Baal when they called on their God. If we're creating a God of our own making, listen, he's not going to respond. Submission means He's Lord. And oftentimes we want Savior. Man, everybody wants Savior. I, I don't want to go to hell. I want a Savior. But along the way, in my life, it's my life, and I want to do what I want to do. And so I'm thankful for the cross, but submission, that ain't for me. And James is simply saying, hey, listen, <clears throat> surrender. Surrender, submission, that's a part of being right with God. And nobody can look at your life and say, hey, you're not right. That's between you and God. And so the question's got to be asked, who's on the throne of your heart? Why do you do what you do? Romans chapter 12, and in verse number 1, it says it like this. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And then over in Romans chapter 10, in verse number 9, Romans chapter 10, verse number 9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. This issue of submission, he says, submit to the Lord. In verse number 7, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Part of that submission, here's the deal. James is writing, but God knows that as soon as a person says, I want God, 
to be Lord of my life. I want to get serious in this walk with Him. I want to be surrendered to His Lordship. You go there, and you will be attacked. It says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Why does he say that? He connects the two. Why? Because you will be attacked when you want God to be on the throne of your life. The greatest struggle that we have as Christians is lordship. That's the greatest struggle that we're going to face. It's not other people. The greatest struggle we have is lordship. Who's lord of your life? Who's lord of my life? That's the greatest struggle any of us are ever going to have. I've shared before, I've been asked the question. You get asked a lot of questions. You're a preacher, so we ask you a question. And I get these questions, and, and, and here's one of the questions that come a lot of times. In, in your church, in your church, <clears throat> what's the greatest struggles you got? What's the greatest problems you got? Because everybody likes to throw the problems out there, right? And I'll be honest to goodness, before God, my greatest struggle or my greatest problem is me. It's not anybody else. If I can just take care of me, I'm all right. Who's on the throne of my life? And that's got to be answered by each and every single person in this place. James knows <clears throat> that we're going to get attacked along the way. Some of you are probably familiar, old enough, Flip Wilson. Remember Flip Wilson? He was a comedian, most of you don't in this room. Second service is really going to enjoy this. <laughs> <laughs> Flip Wilson, he's a comedian, and, uh, and, 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 and he was famous for one line. I mean, he was famous for a lot of stuff, but one line, one line. The devil made me do it. Remember that? Flip Wilson made that line famous. The devil made me do it. When the fact of the matter is, let me tell you something. The devil can't make you do anything you don't want to do. Oh, he can tempt, but he can't make you do it. Ephesians <clears throat> when you're talking about this spiritual warfare that happens with all of us, because we're all going to struggle, but especially those that say, I want to be right with God. I want to be an instrument in his hand, totally surrendered to his lordship. You will get attacked. Ephesians 6, verses 10 and 11. And these are only a couple of verses. You can read the whole passage of Scripture. But in Ephesians 6, verses 10 and 11, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Why? Because greater is He who is in me than he who is in the world. And He will help us. But the first one is submission. Submission, number one. If I want to be right with God, submission. But I also, also need some purification in my life. Verse number eight says this. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. He's just saying, hey, this purification process over in Jeremiah, it says it like this. Jeremiah chapter 29 and in verse number 13, the Bible says this. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And so it's kind of like, it's kind of like, I was like hide and seek, but it's not the same as hide and seek. Why? Because God wants to be found. He wants to be found. But you know what the problem is? <clears throat> We're not seeking. It says, you're going to find me. You seek for me with all of your heart. And, and, and you will, you will find me. Why do we need to find him? Because our sin separates us. Our sin separates us. <clears throat> Romans chapter 3, verse number 23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
And unfortunately, that old fallen flesh still lingers with us until we see Jesus Christ. Therefore, we're going to have sin in our life, and if we're not careful, it goes unconfessed, and it destroys our fellowship. So when you're talking about this issue of sin, and you're talking about this need of purification, if you have never been saved, if you are a sinner, then your sin is what separates you from God Almighty. And so it's keeping you from salvation. That's the whole reason for the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That God sent Jesus into this world not to condemn you but to save you from your sin because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. It separates us but the free gift of God is eternal life and it's only through Jesus Christ. And so sin is what separates us from God Almighty. For the sinner... It's about salvation. For the believer, it's about fellowship. It's about fellowship. It's about intimacy. It's about intimacy. He says, hey, cleanse your hands and your hearts. Uh, uh, draw near to God. Why would I need to draw near to the one who's omnipresent? Good question, <laughs> right? I mean, God is all places at all times. He's omnipresent. What do you mean, draw near? He's not talking about here spatially. He's talking about spiritually. He's saying, hey, listen, draw near. Yeah, I can be so close to Bonnie, my wife, like riding down the street with one another <laughs> and yet not be on the same page and be so far away from her. You know what I'm talking about? And then there are moments... I can be a thousand miles away, physically, spatially, and yet be so near to my wife. And with God, he's just simply saying, hey, listen, I want nearness with my people. You are my bride. You are my bride. Draw near to God Almighty. The psalmist writes it like this, Psalm 24. Over in Psalm 24, the Bible says, <clears throat> verse number 3 and 4, Who may ascend unto the hill of the Lord, and who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood. So there's this cleansing process. He says your hands and your heart, your outward actions that are seen, your inward attitudes that are unseen, the sin that lingers in your life. Do you know that when we draw near to God, the nearer we get to God, the clearer we see ourselves? That's just how it works. The nearer I get to God, the clearer I see myself. And the clearer I see myself, the more I realize, man, I need help. I mean, you look at Scripture, Isaiah, right? Isaiah, Isaiah chapter number 6. When King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Isaiah has this vision, the nearness to God Almighty. And yet in the midst of that, as near as he was to God Almighty, and as clear as he could see him, he saw himself. And he responded with, woe is me, for I am undone, for I'm a man of unclean lips. John the apostle who Jesus loved, the one that was on his bosom at the Last Supper. And the book of Revelation saw him clear. And when he saw him clear in the book of Revelation, he fell as though a dead man 
and his presence. You see, the nearer I draw to Jesus, the clearer I see myself. Purify and cleanse. That's just simply speaking to repentance in our life. Purification is necessary. He goes on from there in verses number 9 and 10. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. To be broken, to be broken in the presence of God Almighty. And here's where you got to be careful. You, you mean to tell me we got to walk around like, we need to walk around like a bunch of hound dogs in a hailstorm looking all like, oh, boy, was me. No, aren't you thankful? Seriously, aren't you thankful for the gift of laughter? <laughs> I am. He's not simply saying, just always walk around looking like pitiful poor old me because I am a sinner. But he is saying, he is saying, hey, listen, there ought to be a brokenness in my heart over sin. Break my heart for what breaks yours. You ever heard that song? I'm not sure even who sings it. But that's what came to my mind when I was reading this passage of Scripture. God, break my heart for what breaks your heart. Whether it be sin in my own life or sin in another's life. And the problem is, as believers, here's where we got to be careful. Again, this purification process and this brokenness process, if we're not careful, what we do is we allow sin to linger in our life and act like it's not that big of a deal. When the fact of the matter is, you show me in Scripture where sin is not that big of a deal. It is a big deal. Man, I'm the bride of Christ. I don't want to be a sorry whore in his presence. How, what would it take for you to say, man, that's not acceptable for my spouse? It's inhibiting our relationship. And so we play games. And if we are playing games, what happens is we allow sin to linger. Unconfessed, unrepentant. And there's a sense in which, hey, listen, positionally, when I got saved... I got justified and purified. I am near to God positionally. But practically, it's a process. It's a process. This whole sanctification. <clears throat> and so we've got to be careful and make sure we keep a short leash on sin to be repentant. Why? Because if we're not, we become desensitized, calloused. That's what happens when you develop calluses. I'm just going to kind of let it linger and let it linger. And the first time, it's really sensitive. Uh, but you know what? The more I work with it, the less sensitive I become. And before you know it, before you know it, not a whole lot breaks my heart anymore. In fact, what happens to us is we entertain ourselves with what breaks the heart of our Father. And we're desensitized. What a blessing it is to be broken before God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. And he's not talking about walking around depressed all the time. He's just simply saying, hey, listen, spiritual sensitivity is what's needed. Verse number 10, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. Humble yourselves. Why? Because we tend to be prideful people. It goes back to the lordship thing. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And here in verse number 10, it's a beautiful picture, really, 
of the prodigal son. The prodigal son didn't run back to, to God Almighty and demand a position, but his father gave him one. Why? Because he humbled himself. He came to the end of his rope. Prodigal, remember the picture of the prodigal son? All of a sudden he goes, he squanders everything. Man, he has been trained up right. His daddy invested in him spiritually. He prayed over him, trained him up. But boy, he couldn't wait till he got old enough so he could hit the road. Why? Because I got the answer and I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And that's just how it is. And he took off. And in so doing, he walked away from God Almighty. It's a picture. And before you know it, he finally, he finally got to the point in his life where he realized, man, I have really messed up. And it takes humility. It takes great humbleness to admit, I have messed up and I cannot handle it on my own. And I desperately need my father. And then all of a sudden, this prodigal son says, man, if he would just take me back, I'll come back as just a just to serve it, man, just let me come back. And he comes running back, you know the story. And the father has been so anticipating his return that he doesn't stand there and wait, but he runs and he meets his son and wraps him up. And I'm so, so thankful. Did you hear why? Because God desires intimacy with his people. He hasn't moved. He hasn't moved. Are you intimate with God <clears throat> Almighty? 1 Peter chapter number 5 and verse number 6 says it like this. <clears throat> 1 Peter 5 verse 6, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in proper time. <clears throat> get right with God. I want to get right with God. Man, it, there's a process. There's, there's things in my life. But do you know that to be right with God and to get right with God, we also need to be right with others? I mean, I mean, it goes hand in hand. It's not inseparable, the two. I can't say, I'm right with God. But boy, I sure can't stand that one. It, it, it goes hand in hand. So James says, hey, look, <clears throat> don't speak evil. Don't speak against another. Brethren, he who speaks against the brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if, the, if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but the judge of it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? <clears throat> and by the way, in this passage of Scripture, here's where you've got to be careful because some people look at this passage of Scripture and they'll say, see there, there's contradictions in Scripture. And he's not talking about godly discernment for the sake of discipline. That's not what he's talking about. What do you mean for the sake of discipline? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter number 5, verses 12 and 13. <clears throat> for what have I to do uh, with judging outsiders? Do you not judge the one within the church, uh, but those who are outside God judges? Remove the wicked man from among yourself. There's not a contradiction. 
for, in, in the book of Corinthians, he's talking about a person who's legitimately living a life in sin, and the desire of the heart is to go to that person for the purpose of restoration. Here, in this passage that we're in, in the book of James, he's just simply talking about those who are in the church who are professing believers of the Lord Jesus Christ who look at people's lives and begin to judge them and evaluate them and say, they are sorry turkeys. In fact, along the way, what I'll do is I'll talk about them, and I'll tear them apart and tear them in pieces. I'm not concerned about their restoration. I just don't want anybody to really love that person because I really don't. Although we might not say it like that, that's what happens when we're so critical of others. Can I tell you something? <clears throat> you ever been prone to criticize somebody? Or, or, or maybe, 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 maybe it might go like this. <clears throat> Somebody's in your presence and, and they talk about Billy Bob. And you don't like Billy Bob. And so instead of letting Billy Bob get some sunshine, you rain on that parade with some criticism about Billy Bob. You know what I'm talking about? Why do I do that? Not because Billy Bob's such a bad guy, but my heart's so stinking screwed up. It's more an indictment against myself when I become critical. If I am critical, that's one of the evaluations of myself, of myself. And I'm not talking about yourself, myself. If I find myself tending to be critical of others and hypercritical of others, it tells me, hey, look, man, you need revival. I don't know what they're going through. They, they, yeah, yeah, they might have some sorry actions along the way, but I don't know their story. How in the world can I begin to judge why they do what they do? And I've learned that if you just give it time and love people and get to know people, you begin to realize sometimes why people do what they do. Not for the sake of justification. I'm not trying to justify the action, but understand it. But understand it. And sometimes I might not ever have the understanding. The fact of the matter is we're all people, and we're all messed up. And we all need grace, and we all need mercy. And if I have tasted the saving grace of God, and I experience His tender mercies every single day, then ought not I extend freely what I have received freely? James is saying, hey, listen, you want to be right with God? Make sure you're right with Him, but in the process... Make sure you're right with others. Make sure you're right with others. Revival. Revive us. Oh, Lord. Would you do me a favor this morning? Join me for a time of prayer. <clears throat> and as we pray this morning, I just want to ask the question, <clears throat> are you near to the Father? Are you intimate with God? Are you intimate? Maybe you're here this morning, you'd say, man, there was a time, there was a time. Hey, God wants you near to him. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit of God to search your heart, search your mind, 
If it's something before God, between me and Him, or something between me and somebody else, whatever it might be, that this would be the day that I say, hey, you know what? I need revival. Oh, I need revival. God, search me. Search us. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never been born again, never been saved. When you, I asked a question a moment ago. Do you remember? Do you remember when you were born again? I'm not saying when you got baptized. I'm, I'm saying when the Holy Spirit of God took the gospel, pierced your heart, called you by name. Well, you repented of sin and called on Him. And you were saved and born again. New life. Holy Spirit took up residence in your life. Maybe this morning you say, man, I don't, I don't, I don't have that story been in church all my life, but I've never been born again. Hey, today, won't you call on His name today? Call on Him. Maybe your brother or sister need to call on Him to repent. That means stop. Not just be sorry, but stop. Whatever it is that he lays on your heart. God, we turn that over to you. And I'm walking with you. God, draw us near. Lord, today I pray that you'd have your way in our hearts, God. Have your way in our midst, Lord Jesus. Father, for those that are in the building or whether they're online, God, you know exactly where we are. Physically, but also spiritually. God, Help us see what you see. Lord, have your way today. We love you. We thank you for this moment. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.